You're listening to the Sermon Podcast for The Gate Church in Lethbridge, Alberta. For more information, to contact us, or to support this ministry, please visit thegate.org. All right, so this morning, we'll be finishing up our sermon series on the full armor of God. Hopefully, you were able to follow along with us online, but, but if not, you can still catch up because it's all online still, so you can watch the videos on our website or you can check out our podcast, which is on iTunes and stuff. Um, so if you want to catch up, go for it. I encourage you to do that. But today we're going to be tackling the last three verses of this passage on the full armor, and then next week we'll be starting a new series for the summer in which we'll be talking all about what God's will is for us what God's will is for us, which I'm, I'm genuinely, genuinely looking forward to. All right, so please turn with me to Ephesians 6, 10 to 20. This is the same passage we've been reading over the last couple of months. This will be the last time we read it for this series. Ephesians 6, 10 to 20. It says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, And having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert, and with all perseverance, make supplication for all the saints, and also for me, that words may be given to me in, my, in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. It's the word of God. So a couple of weeks ago, our, our youth pastor Brad over here, he's sitting there, he was playing the drums earlier, he had all the youth each make a video about what God's been teaching them through this time of pandemic. And and this is so that they could show that video during their weekly youth group Zoom meetings. And I thought this was a great idea, and so I helped my son Liam record a video. And and it's also crazy to think that he's in youth group. I don't feel old enough for that. But uh, um, so we recorded the video, and it, it was short but sweet. And, and he just said what God was teaching him through this time. And, and, I, and I felt, as I was listening to him speak, that it was, it was really profound. And, and I was even encouraged and convicted by what he was saying. And he simply said, it was a short video, he simply said, more or less, that during this time of pandemic, he's been learning to pray more. He's been learning to pray more. Yep, that's it. That, that was pretty much the length of his video, too. It's, it's such a simple yet profound lesson, and, and such an important and good word for us today, for, for all of us, to recognize our need to pray more. 
And, and this is often what God does during times of crisis, right? As, as we've discussed previously over the last year during our series in Daniel and even during this, this time, God often uses times of crises or trial to draw us back to Him in faith and, and drive us into a, a deeper dependence upon Him. And, and why does He do this? Because we tend to forget that we need Him at all times. During the good times, we often forget that we need God. And so during the difficult times, He reminds us, hello, you need me, right? And so that's why it's often when we experience circumstances that, that are beyond our control, where, you know, those times where we get to the end of ourselves, and then we finally realize we, we need to be filled by the one who's actually in control. And in the same vein, it's often when, when we're called to an impossible task, like living holy lives in a fallen world or bringing the light of Christ into the darkness. It's during those times when, when we realize in our, in our weakness that we need to draw from the strength and power of the one who's already won the victory. And so again, God uses times of crisis or, or difficult situations to remind us of how much we need him and, and to draw us back into his presence. And this is especially significant when it comes to the spiritual battle or, or struggle that, that we're constantly engaged in against, as it says in the passage, against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. We need God in order to stand victorious in this battle, in this struggle. And this is most likely why the Apostle Paul ends this passage on the full armor with an encouragement to pray in the Spirit and to pray at all times. Precisely because, as, as Timothy Keller writes, to pray is to accept that we are and always will be wholly dependent on God for everything. This is, this is pretty much what it means to wear the full armor of God, to be dependent on God. During this series, we, we've been discussing the importance of each piece of the armor of God and what it means, the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes or sandals of peace, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. We, we've learned how important this, this armor is for us in order to stand firm against, against the devil and against his lies and, and schemes, against his attempts to turn us from God, to his attempts to lead us into temptation, to get us to, to doubt and sin and to turn to worldly pleasures, against the, the one who desires to stop us or slow us down from living the way Jesus intended. So, so we know this full armor is important in this battle. And that's why it's even more important that we remember where this armor comes from and why it's even available to us in the first place. It's called the full armor of God for a reason, right? Because God is the source of this armor. And, and as I mentioned at the, at the beginning of this series and, and throughout, we get to wear this armor of God because Jesus wore it for us already. When, when he lived a life of perfect obedience to the Father, when he was tempted but without sin, and then defeated the power of our sin at the cross, when, when, when he rendered the devil and, and, and his minions impotent through his sacrificial death and subsequent resurrection, 
So to put on the full armor of God is essentially to put on the, the victory and righteousness of Christ. And so it only makes sense then that, that in order for us to stand firm in this armor, or, or to, to, be, to avoid being caught without the armor on, we need to be constantly drawing from and dependent upon the source. Or to put it plainly, we, we need to be a people of prayer. It's, it's like in, in action movies or superhero movies when there's often that one cheesy but incredibly awesome moment when, when the leader declares to, to his team of heroes with, with a cool voice, you know, he turns to the camera and he says, suit up. You know what I'm talking about, right? Suit up. Um, I wanted to call the sermon series that, but Blair would have none of it. But, um, <laughs> so that's why I'm mentioning it right now. But anyways, you know, that as soon as they said, suit up, uh, you know, it's followed by a montage of all the heroes entering some sort of armory or locker room where they start strapping on all their gear as they prepare for battle. Right? You know what I'm talking about, right? It's not just me. Thumbs up. Need to go up right now. Hearts in the air. For those who love action movies. Um, well, in the, in the passage this morning, the Apostle Paul's telling us to suit up for this spiritual battle. And, and the doorway into the armory of God, into his presence, into his strength and power is prayer. As John Stott writes, equipping ourselves with God's armor is is not a mechanical operation. It is itself an expression of our dependence on God. In other words, of prayer. Moreover, it is prayer in the Spirit prompted and guided by Him. So earlier this week, I I was working on my message from home, and I heard one of my sons crying, and so I walked over to his room, and I find my two sons arguing about something. And so I'm frustrated by the interruption. I ask, what's going on here? Right? I could have been more patient. That's the truth. Um, so basically, they, they, you know, they're both trying to explain to me what happened. You know, you're trying to figure out with both kids talking at the same time what's going on. Basically, I figured out what happened was my youngest son, Elliot, he, he dropped something of his between his bed frame and the wall. And so Liam, my oldest son tried to help him. He's trying to be nice to help him, right? But uh, he, so he grabbed one of Elliot's toy arrows, you know, with the suction cup on the end, and, and he tried to, like, fish it out from the side of the bed. Only he just ended up losing that toy arrow beside the bed as well, which made Elliot more upset, and, and thus the sibling drama ensued. And so I, sa- I said to them, why, why didn't you just ask me to help you in the first place? And, and they said, well, we knew you were working and we didn't want to disturb you. And I said, well, well that's a nice sentiment. I appreciate that, but you, you did disturb me. Um, <laughs> and on that end, I'd rather they have asked me to help them rather than for it to have escalated into this argument between them, right? Especially because I actually own the perfect tool for grabbing items that have fallen into small places. And I shared this at the men's event a couple of months ago when we were supposed to bring, bring a tool. Everyone was supposed to bring a tool to share. I have the perfect item, and it looks like this. If you can't see it, that comes out, and then there's a claw at the end, and you just put it down. It's got a light. Turn on the light. goes into cracks. Got the claw. You pick the thing up. 
easy. I love using it. So I, w- I would have loved it if they asked me to help them with that because this was an impulse buy at Canadian Tire and I like to justify my, my impulse buy. <laughs> Amen, yeah. So I had the perfect tool for helping them. They should have asked me right at the beginning. And, and I think we do this as, as Christians, right? We find ourselves facing a problem or temptation that we think we can handle on our own. And so we think, oh, I'm not going to bother God with that. I'm not going to ask for prayer for that. I don't want to bother anyone else. And then, and then we just make a bigger mess out of it by trying to handle it ourselves. When really, we, we should have just gone to God in the first place. Because he desires to hear from us. And because he'll always have the perfect tool for the job. Or rather, the right piece of armor for us to wear. And, and this is what prayer is, right? Going to God in faith. Looking to him first as our ever-present help in times of trouble. We look to him because the truth is we can't live or stand firm in this life or against the powers of darkness without him. We'll, we'll just make a bigger mess. For, for example, at one point during Jesus' ministry, a man comes running up to Jesus. He's desperate, and, and he begs Jesus to set his son free from an evil spirit that had been causing his son to be mute and, and to have fits and, and convulsions. And he tells Jesus that he'd already asked his disciples to do it, but they were unable to cast out the demon. The disciples were unable to do it themselves. And so Jesus... Yet he becomes frustrated by their lack of faith in that moment. And then he reminds everyone listening that, that all things are possible for those who believe. And then Jesus rebukes the demon and casts him out of the boy, sets him free. So later on, when, when, the, crowd, when the crowd around them had dispersed and, and everyone was out of earshot, the disciples asked Jesus, why, why couldn't we cast out the demon? Why couldn't we do it? And Jesus replies to them, as recorded in Mark 9, 29. And he said to them, this kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. Nothing but prayer. In other words, he's telling them, you should have come to God first instead of trying to do it on your own. And just like them, we, we can't resist the devil or, or, or the power of temptation ourselves. We need God to do it for us and through us in Jesus' name. Or more specifically, as Paul says, we need to be praying in the Spirit. Praying in the Spirit. When, when we read that phrase, praying in the Spirit, depending on your uh, upbringing of what church you, you attended, um, you might have a different idea of what that means, praying in the Spirit. So what comes to mind to you? What is it? Well, let, let's figure out what it actually Means. And I think Romans 8, 14 to 17 gives us a couple of clues when it says, Romans 8, 14 to 17, it says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery that returns you to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship by whom we cry, Abba, Father. So the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. And if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him. 
So first of all, the passage is telling us that to be led by the Spirit means that, that we communicate and relate to God as children and heirs of God. Timothy Keller again writes, he says, the only person who, who dares wake up a king at 3 a.m. for a glass of water is a child. We have that kind of access. So through Christ, we get to enter the courts of God as his adopted children. Right? We get to enter his throne room, not with fear of judgment, but, but with confidence and boldness of a child going to a parent that cares about them. And so we can infer then that, that, that part of what it means to pray in the Spirit is to pray with the dependence and confidence of a child crawling into the, the arms of their loving father. Right? It's, it's, it's a prayer of intimacy and trust. It's a prayer with the understanding that God desires to hear from us and to help us and that he delights in our prayers. It's to seek out our Father in heaven, who, as Jesus also reminds us when he teaches us to pray during the Sermon on the Mount, that he's a perfect Father who knows what we need even before we ask him. Or as it also says in Romans 8, 26 to 27, in the same way the Spirit also joins to help in our weakness because we do not know what to pray for as we should. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with unspoken groanings. And he who searches the hearts knows the Spirit's mindset because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. So we know from last week, if you heard the message from last week, that the sword of the Spirit is the word of God. And therefore, we need to remember that the foundation of, of praying in the Spirit and being led by the Spirit is to be led by the truth of the Word, because the Spirit leads us into truth, right? We remember that. But yet, even with that as our foundation, there's going to be times in our lives where, 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 when we just don't know what to pray. And so we can take comfort in knowing that even in those times when we don't know what to say or, or when we're saying the wrong things or when we don't understand or, or when we're at a loss for words, God knows what we need even before we ask him. The Spirit intercedes on our behalf. Which, which means then that, that really the purpose of a, of a Spirit-filled prayer isn't necessarily to, to say the right things or, 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 or anything like that, but it's ultimately about surrendering to and contending for the presence of God to lead us. It's about submitting by faith to, to his guidance and leading to his word and to his grace and love and comfort. Again, knowing that he knows what we already need even before we ask him. Knowing that as his children, sealed by his spirit, he'll surely equip us with whatever we need, whenever we need it, so that we can stand firm in faith and accomplish what he's called us to do. As Mark Sayers writes, God invites us to partner with him, contending and entering our lives around his mission in the world through following the Father's footsteps. And, and this is exactly how Jesus taught us to pray, right? And to that end, th this means that we can only effectively pray, lead us not into temptation and deliver us from evil, until we first learn to pray our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. 
This is, this is exactly how Jesus prayed to the Father as well. Right? The night he was betrayed, he, he says, Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. It was this simple act of, of submission and dependence which led to the victory over sin and death for all who believe in his name by faith. Right? This, 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 it's, this was an act that enabled him to win the victory over Satan and evil and the power of sin. And therefore, in order for us to stand firm as well against, against the devil and to live the life we're called to live in Christ, we need to be covered in, in the presence of God. We need to be covered in the victory of Jesus Christ. We need to be strengthened in his armor, which means we need to be in humble surrender to his will. And this, this is why Paul himself asks to be prayed for. He's, he's sitting in, in a Roman prison writing this letter. And he's saying, my, my job is not done. I'm going to keep bringing the light into the darkness. Keep praying for me. That's why he has to be prayed for. And this is why he calls us to pray for each other. And it's why he instructs us to be praying at all times with all types of prayers and all types of supplications. In other words, we're never meant to, to take the armor off. We're to be ready and engaged and seeking God and interceding for each other at all times. Or as Paul writes in verse 18, we should keep alert with all perseverance. Be ready. Be on your guard. Don't get caught sleeping. Persist in contending for God. Uh, and as Isaiah 56, 9 to 10, it says, it says, All you beasts of the field come to devour. All you beasts in the forest. Why do they get to do that? Because his watchmen are blind. They are all without knowledge. They are all silent dogs. They cannot bark, dreaming, lying down, loving to slumber. This passage is saying that, that all the beasts are able, are able to come and feed and devour because the watchmen have fallen asleep. And in the same way, spiritually speaking, this is, this is when the devil makes his move in our lives and in our churches when we've fallen asleep. Right? When we've taken our eyes off of God. On the night when Jesus was betrayed, again, he asked some of his disciples to stay near him and, and to pray for him and for themselves, that they would be strengthened by God. But then right after Jesus prayed that powerful prayer I mentioned earlier, not my will, but yours be done, he checks up on the disciples, and lo and behold, he finds them sleeping. He finds them sleeping. And I have to be honest, sometimes when I sit down to pray, I fall asleep too. Come on. Yeah? You, you all know what I'm talking about. You close your eyes, start nodding off. I mean, some of you are sleeping right now. I mean, I don't, I, I get it. I get it. But still, but still, this, this, this was like a, a pretty pivotal moment in God's redemptive plan. Jesus is in agony, knowing he's about to die on the cross for, for the sin of all mankind, and yet his friends are falling asleep. So Jesus says to them, or, or more specifically to Peter, from Matthew 26, 40 to 41, it says, 
he says to him, so could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Of course, most of us know that the disciples, and especially Peter, all ended up abandoning Jesus after he was arrested and put to death on a cross. But who knows, maybe the outcome would have been different had they not fallen asleep. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. We need the spirit. The same spirit who raised Jesus from the dead, we need him to empower and lead us. And we can't do it on our own. We need to be attentive to him in prayer. And so later on, after Jesus is, is, is resurrected, he's restored, and then he's, he's writing a letter. And so speaking from experience and acknowledging his own weakness and need for God, Peter writes in 1 Peter 5.8, he knows, he knows this is true, right? He's experienced the opposite. And so he writes this. He says, be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. He knows this firsthand. He knows that the devil will attack only when we're unprepared or when we've fallen asleep or when we're not wearing our armor or when we've become distracted in the world, which we all do, right? When we get lazy in our faith. And of course, this verse, you probably, we, we've used it frequently throughout the series as a reminder for us that the, that the devil is looking for that foothold in our lives, right? He's, he's waiting for the right moment to strike, which, which is a good reminder. We need to be, we need to be aware of that. That's, that's what this, this series, The Full Armor of God, is about. But, but I also think that we, we often misunderstand the first part of the verse, the part about being sober-minded and watchful. I think, I think we, we, when we read that, we tend to think that we're supposed to, be, we're supposed to be constantly looking out for the devil, right? Oh, don't let the devil get you, right? It's like, it's like tucking your kid in bed, and you're like, don't let the bed bugs bite, right? And they're like, what? You know, and they're not going to fall asleep now. They're going to be like watching out. There's bed bugs? I didn't know that, right? They're going to be watching out for the bed bugs, or like a character in a zombie movie, right? Cautiously and intentively moving through the corridors of, of our lives, living in cautious fear, never knowing if the next zombie attack is going to like jump, scare you, right? In the, in the next corner, right? This is kind of how some of us walk around. We're, oh, don't let the devil get us. But it says in 1 Timothy 1.7, for God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power love, and self-discipline. We're not, we're not supposed to live our lives in suspenseful fear, wondering when the next temptation or satanic attack is going to come. The reality is, is that he's always coming. That, that's the point. Rather, we're meant to keep attentive to Christ. We're meant to live in the power and love of God. And therefore, I'd argue that our watchfulness and alertness is less about looking around for the devil to see where he's coming next, and it's more about placing our focus on Jesus and on God the Father, being mindful of him and his leading. After all, pretty much every time Jesus warns his disciples to be watchful and alert, he's referring to himself. He's telling them to be watchful for him. He's telling them to abide 
in him. Precisely because sheep don't defend themselves from the wolves, do they? Who, who does that for them? The shepherd does that for them. And Jesus is the good shepherd who, who not only protects his sheep from the wolves, he actually lays down his life for the sheep, for us. And so, so when, we, when we think about it, it's actually only those, those sheep who, who, who end up taking their eyes off of the shepherd you know, when they're, when they're walking to pasture, the, eyes that get dis- the sheep that get distracted from something and they, and they wander away from the flock, it's those sheep who find themselves without protection and susceptible to being attacked. This is why it says in 2 Timothy 2 verse 4, it says, No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. Right? The soldier's focused doesn't get distracted by, by what's left or right. The soldier's focused. Isaiah 26.3, it says, You will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. So with our eyes on Christ, we cannot falter. With our focus of God in prayer, we're filled with his perfect peace and, and given the grace we need to, to persevere, persevere and, and live in obedience to him. With his spirit, spirit leading us, we're led, as it says in Proverbs 4.11, into straight paths or paths of uprightness. So if we're being led by Jesus, covered in his armor, if, if we're following him, the devil can't lead us a different way. We won't, even, we won't even be paying attention to him. Of course, we're to be aware of the devil's schemes, absolutely, but our focus needs to be on the one who's won the victory over him already. And besides, if, if our, again, if our aim is to please God and seek his will, or as, or as Paul says, to run, that he might obtain the prize, then, then we won't even give a second look to anything that tries to keep us from it. Better, as it says, to keep our eyes and our minds on the things that are above, to keep our focus on Christ and his word, which is a lamp unto our feet. We won't trip for following him. Ultimately, this, this armor of God then that, that we're called to put on is, is meant to be worn at all times, which means we need to be in communion with God at all times, especially in this struggle against evil and temptation. Therefore, we need to be at all times in prayer. And so in conclusion then, as Ian M. Duguid writes, so pray in the Spirit as the outflow of your relationship with your Heavenly Father. Pray in season and out of season on all sorts of occasions for all kinds of prayers and requests, persistently for all the saints. Then indeed, as Paul prays for the Ephesians, peace will grip your hearts along with love and faith. And the grace of God will constantly be with you in the midst of the fiercest battle, along with all those who love our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you that we can actually come to you because of what Jesus did for us, and that we can come to you as our Father. And we thank you for the reminder that, that, that you desire to hear our prayers that you desire to help us 
and that you even know what we need before we ask, Lord. We thank you that Jesus has, has set us free, Lord, and I, and I pray that, that we would, would be able to, to walk and live in such a way in, in the midst of your presence at all times and in all ways so that we would not submit again to that yoke of slavery or, 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 or give in to temptation, Lord, but our, that our focus would be upon you, that you would give, keep us in perfect peace, that you would strengthen us for, for what you've called us to do to bring light into the darkness that we, we could do so with boldness and with confidence and without fear. Lord, I pray for, for each and every person here this morning for whatever struggles they're going through with right now, whether that's spiritual struggles or, or mental or, or physical, Lord God, I pray that you would bring your peace upon them right now, Lord, that they would, they would understand and, and know that they can come to you for help, for comfort that you have promised to work in us and through us, Lord. And to be glorified in us. And Lord, that is our desire this morning, to glorify you, to lift you up in the name of Jesus. Jesus, we, we thank you so much for the cross, for laying down your life for us that we can be covered in your righteousness, that we can be adopted as children of God. We give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen.